This is Witch. I'm your host, Crystal Kennedy, and together we'll explore the world of magic, mysteries of the universe, spirituality, and so much more. The word witch for me has always stood for woman in total control of herself. Well, I'm far from having total control over myself, but I strive to learn more every day and share my findings here with you. I invite you fellow seekers to grab a broomstick or your favorite witch's brew, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Witch. Hey, witches, it's your girl Crystal here. Happy Mystical Monday, and welcome to this week's episode of Witch. Today on the cast, we are talking about sex, baby, with the incredible Dr. Stephanie Hunter-Jones. Dr. Stephanie is a nationally recognized sex and relationship expert with her PhD in human sexuality and a master's in clinical psychology, and has been featured in amazing publications like Playboy, People Magazine, Time Magazine, Psychology Tomorrow, Self.com, and so many more. We are getting into some juicy, juicy topics today, babes, and I think the title of this episode says it all. Dr. Stephanie absolutely blew my mind with her incredible wisdom and insight, and I am so excited for you witches to hear it. I just want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you out there listening for tuning into my little witchy show. This is my passion, and I am so grateful to all of you for going on this journey with me. And if you have a moment and could help a witch out, head on over to iTunes to rate the show five stars and leave a review. It would be so, so appreciated, and I have so much more magic I want to bring to you, witches. And five-star ratings really help me get there and help the show keep growing. As always, I want to give a very special shout-out to Magic Hour Tea. If you're a witchy tea lover like I am and you haven't checked out Magic Hour Teas yet, please do yourself a favor and head on over to my show notes for the link to their website. I am so obsessed with this company. They have the most amazingly delicious teas on the market and so many magical goodies for you to discover while you're shopping for tea, like teaware, jewelry, perfume, candles, and so much more. They even have a monthly subscription box with a special crafted tea and ritual for each month delivered right to your very doorstep. And don't forget to join their mailing list to get 10% off your first order of $25 or more. All right, babes, I have such a spicy episode in store for you. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right. Well, here we are with Dr. Stephanie Hunter-Jones, sex therapist, healer, intuitive, and just all-around goddess. I mean, I wish you guys could see the outfit she has on right now. She's got this, like, stunning purple robe with this gorgeous, like, fire hair. She's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, I just wanted to um, give the people a little bit of an introduction into who you are and what you do. Mm -hmm. I know you've been featured in so many amazing publications too, like Playboy and Self and Psychology Today and so many incredible things. Mm -hmm. So give everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm a clinical sexologist. Um, I do sex therapy for individuals and couples, and I specialize in uh, open relationships. I specialize in uh, fetishes and kinks and um, monogamy as well. And um, anybody who wants to explore what's going on in their life, Mm -hmm. I help them uh, explore that or whatever emotions are going through, through their sexuality. Mm -hmm. Uh, My PhD is in human sexuality. My master's is in clinical psychology with a specialization in postmodern therapy. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a certified sex coach. And I am an artist and an intuitive healer. So I do use my intuition a lot with my work. Yes, girl. Oh, it's so important when it comes to sexuality too, because it's so tied in together. Like Absolutely. Intuition and sexuality are, are very close together. So, and I feel like one yes. probably really affects the other. Right. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without yeah. A doubt. Uh, do you consider yourself witchy? Are you a witchy lady? 
Oh, I'm I'm a total witch. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I could feel those witchy vibes coming off oh, you, baby. And I love to use my great magic on my clients to he- yes. help them heal through whatever journey they... I always, always, every morning when I start my day, I ask the universe and my spirit guides to take over and guide me in the direction for each and every client, how I can help them the most. Mm. So... I love that. Do you think that's maybe your mission in this lifetime is to help people realize their the importance of their sexuality and help them, you know, maybe leave some of that shame and all the weird things that end up getting tied into sexuality behind? That's my total mission. Yeah. I think there are people born on the planet that their mission is to help heal human sexuality um, the mm. best way that they can yeah. because it is a very difficult job. Yeah. I mean, there's so many um, taboos and weird associations that people make with sexuality. And it's just, I think we're learning hopefully more and more that your sexuality is very important. It's a primal instinctual part of you. And Mm -hmm. if you continue to ignore it and shove it in the background, it's going Mm -hmm. to, it's like shadow work. If you don't deal with it and kind of figure out what's going on, it's going to like pop up in all these weird different ways in the rest of your life. Yes, we're born sexual beings, yeah. every one of us. But because of our upbringing, either our core culture, religion, uh, our family, mm. we uh, either can get disconnected from it or we're shamed because of it. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're right. It can cause behaviors um, that are not healthy for ourselves and Absolutely. sometimes for others. Absolutely. Yeah. It bleeds into every aspect of your life. It's like mm-hmm. doing that inner work. This is very much a part of that inner work. And and that's, mm-hmm. it's such a common problem too, which breaks my heart, but it's also relatively understandable considering how our society has like placed these weird taboos on, on your sexuality and all those, mm-hmm. all those mm-hmm. puritanical views. <laughs> right. Well, sexuality is one of the, the probably best ways to get in touch with our spirituality, to get in touch with our witchy selves, so to speak. Um, Because now sex is only one way to express our sexuality. Mm. Anything in life that brings us passion, that makes us feel alive, whether that's gardening, painting, cooking, dancing, the way you dress, um, whatever it is, a sport that you're into, whatever that is, that's your sexuality. That's your that's that essence that lives within you. Oh, that yeah. is where you're the closest to the universe. You're the closest to the planet. And then the stronger that creativity is, the stronger that is, the better your sex itself will be. Absolutely. It's like the sacral chakra is connected to your sexuality and also your creative spark. They hold each Absolutely. other's they go, hand. They go hand in hand. Like oftentimes I'll have a client that'll come to me and feel they have low libido or they're disconnected from their sexuality. First thing I will do is get them connected to that essence. Mm. And I work with them, giving them various exercises, uh, whatever it takes to get them there. And then they would discover it's there. Wow. Uh, I just had a client earlier I've been working with for a while. She goes, you know, I thought I had low libido. And just from my work with you, I now realize I did not have that. I was disconnected. And I helped her f- discover the reason why she was disconnected. And I've helped her to reconnect with it. That's and now incredible. she's very excited. That's so incredible. That's such an important part of life because I've had, you, you were talking about how your sexuality connects to even things like cooking and gardening and all those mm-hmm. things. And I've had people that have actually had arousals because of the food that they're eating in that sense, mm-hmm. that taste, that, because mm-hmm. it connects to everything, your sense of touch, your sense of smell, your sense of sight, all mm-hmm. of it plays a mm-hmm. part in your sexuality. And it's right. so, the work you're doing is so insanely important. And I just give the, mm-hmm. mo- the most kudos I could possibly give to that. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. You know, a person, can come to me and tell me what is kind of going on in their life, mm-hmm. whether it's depression or anxiety or what is going on in their life or in their relationship. And I pretty much know what's going on sexually mm-hmm. and vice versa. They can tell me, I can say, well, what's going on sexually? They tell me what that is. And then I can take them into, okay, are we dealing with some depression here? Are we dealing with some anxiety or are we, you know, dealing with some uh, abandonment issues? So I know I can sense uh, through my intuition, but also through 
their sexuality what's going on. That's so crazy that, I mean, you can tell it right away too. And I'm sure that's a gift you were given by, you know, the powers that be to be this kind of a, um, a coach for people and a therapist mm-hmm. for people to be like, no, I know exactly what's going on with you just in a few simple words. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. What a gift. That's just, oh. oh, I'm so blessed. Yes. Um, do you ever give, and this is just a random question here to get people connected. Do you ever like prescribe art therapy or anything like that to like mm-hmm. help people? That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like that yeah, really I have all itself. types of exercises, um, that I have, um, created to help my clients. And yes, occasionally sometimes art is part of that process. It depends on, uh, who they are. When I, when I learn what would work for them, I mean, I've, uh, people, for instance, that I, uh, know, enjoy writing, then I will have them you know, begin to write some erotic stories, mm. things of that nature. So whatever I can, uh, once I get to what their sexuality is, what feeds that sexuality, then I, tr- then I will start giving assignments based on that. That's so interesting that you say that too, especially with the creative writing. Cause in my, in my teen years, when I was just kind of learning and coming to terms with my sexuality, I would write like erotic fan fiction just mm-hmm. for like, and my friends and I would all do it. We'd kind of share our little stories mm-hmm. and read each other's stories. And that was a very like healthy and safe way for me to start exploring what it is that I resonate with and what I liked and what, you know, what turned this girl on, what turned this Absolutely. witch on. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really, really, and even with people who paint a lot, I'm sure erotic paintings, I actually have a couple friends who do some really incredible erotic, um, erotic drawing and painting and things like that, that mm-hmm. has happened through the pandemic when they actually had time to really sit with themselves and explore it, mm-hmm. which is the coolest thing ever to witness where you're like, yes, get your shit, girl. I fucking mm-hmm. feel that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some tips that you think that people can use to even get more in tune with the their intuition and their sexuality and how those meet in the middle? Um. Uh, more tips. Uh, well, I would probably recommend, um, if someone is interested, to uh, meet with a good sex coach or good uh, sex therapist to start exploring themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever books that resonates with them is a good way to start, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. Can you even incorporate that into meditation and like, Yes, of yeah. course. Hypnosis, meditation, mm-hmm. you know, you got to get out there and find out what resources are available and find out what what brings you joy, what brings you passion, and then find out what it is about that activity that turns you on. Yeah. Things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. But it's always helpful to, you know, find someone that can guide you and help you in that direction. So you'll kind of know you know, what you're looking at there. Yeah. It's so important to ask for help that way, because, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not given the tools, if you have no idea what you're looking for <laughs> right? and it's like finding a needle in a haystack and that's right. where work like yours is so important because you're giving people practical tools to help them in a specific area. That's going to help them open up the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is so, so beautiful. Oh, yes. Well, and when with like, you know, someone who's dealing with like sexual repression and stuff like that. And I know there's a lot of shame associated with that. What are, I mean, I know I'm sure going to an, a qualified sex therapist is, um, is probably the most important thing you can do, but how would you like, what would a session look like if somebody was start starting to deal with that? What, what steps would you take with them if you're willing to share? Well, I would get to know them, but I would find out where the shame comes from. Mm-hmm. And then I would help them heal its original source mm-hmm. through that, basically. Yeah. What are some common, um, like, uh, common things that people talk about when they talk about shame in their sexuality? Um, common in, in regards to what? In regards to like, is it puritanical? Does it come from religion? A lot of times. Does okay. It, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, shame often starts in the childhood, mm-hmm. and so um, it can stem from religion. But I'd say the majority of the time, it actually stems from family, from upbringing. Mm. having parents that had a carried a lot of sexual shame. Shame was never talked about in the, I mean, I'm sorry, sex was never talked about in the household mm-hmm. or uh, it was uh, taboo, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Um, that's basically, it starts in yeah. childhood. Yeah, I could totally agree with that. And uh, I'm sure it starts too, if like, 
because I'm sure like you were talking about beforehand, this um, children who are like, it's very natural for them to touch themselves and to start kind of mm-hmm. exploring those areas. And, and a lot of parents don't know how to handle that. So mm-hmm. they like shut it down immediately. Right, and I'm sure right. that creates a scar. Absolutely. Instead of telling the child, uh, you know what, that's natural and that's normal, but that's something that we do in private. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They will tell them that's nasty or that's dirty. And it instantly that creates shame in the child. Yeah. Do you think it even has to do with like, you know, when we all get, I mean, in America anyway, when we all got the like birds and the bees talk in school and how how it was so clinical and it was so, at least from my experience was so, um, ah, it was like doom or gloom, you know, they were right. Yeah. They were talking about, Oh, if you do this, then you're sure to get pregnant or you're sure to get an STD or you're sure to do this. And it scares the shit out of you. (laughs) Absolutely. And in fact, in a lot of this, uh, Health classes, they show photos of venereal disease on genitals. And I think that is horrific. Yes. Horrific. I mean, I all know, I know we all need to know about that, but I feel like there's got to be a healthier way. Well, okay. If you want to do that, then you need to create a balance and show the healthy and the positive aspect of sex instead of kids having to learn about it through porn on their phones or online, which porn is not real. Right. I mean, it's an art and whatnot. It's not real. So therefore, the child is grows up in a very confused state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, like you said, porn is an art form. And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, you know, what sex really looks like is not quite the like softly lit, <laughs> right? you know, angled thing that you're seeing in, in porn. Now, granted, I think porn definitely has its place and it's definitely helped me to foster some of the kinks and the fetishes that I've not developed, but discovered that I really like. Mm -hmm. But like you said, there needs to be that balance of, I think balance Mm -hmm. is proper in anything like mediation. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because then a lot of people turn to porn solely for their sexuality and then it becomes unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Well, probably even masturbation where, you know, maybe masturbation is the only way that you feel safe kind of exploring those areas because you can do it alone and it's more of a private thing, but then Mm -hmm. that can turn into something where you're not necessarily able to do that. Interfere. Right. Masturbation is very good, very healthy, but it Mm. does. If you, again, the balance gets off, it will interfere with you having a healthy sex life with a live person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because you figure, why should I bother? Even couples, uh, I can have couples come in and see me that, oh, we're just not, we just don't have any sex drive. And I'm like, okay, how often are you having sex? We're just not having sex. Okay. How often are you masturbating? Oh, we're each masturbating about three times a week. I said, well, you know what? You got sex drive. Yeah. Like, you're just just (laughs) not wanting to do the work to have sex with each other. Because why? It's so much easier just to masturbate. Right. Well, and there's also a level of intimacy that I think people deal with too, when it comes to sex with, especially with a, a longtime partner where, you know, there might've been some sort of disconnect and then the intimacy gets broken apart. And then you need to kind of refigure out how to be intimate with each other again and be that vulnerable with each other again. Vulnerability is hard. It's probably one of the hardest things we deal with as a society, I think, is learning mm-hmm. how to be vulnerable and authentic with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, intimacy and sex are two different things, mm. and there is sex with intimacy and sex without intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I think even in relationships, balance is the key. Mm. I think that there are to be naughty, nasty sex without the intimacy, and then there are to be sex with the intimacy. It yeah. has to be a balance because otherwise it just gets dull and boring. Yeah, absolutely. You get, you get unfulfilled either way. I mean, yeah. if, you ha- if you're having nasty sex all the time, then you're not fulfilled because there's no intimacy. But if you're having this vulnerable, intimate sex all the time, it becomes exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It does. Yeah, and so, so it true. has to be balanced. It has to be a balance. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the main thing we learn in most of our spiritual journeys, no matter what it is, the topic you're talking about is balance is so important. It's the law. Well, isn't that are. one of the main universal laws? The yes, law of ma'am. balance. Yes, mm-hmm. ma'am. As <laughs> so below and all of those things. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and I would love to talk a little bit about how to like reignite the flame if you're dealing with that, you know, in uh, like maybe your sex life is getting a little stale because you're only having the one type of sex and like thinking of like fetishes and kinks and and maybe the difference between the two and how Mm -hmm. to explore those in the different types. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in regards to fetishes and kinks, yes. Um, a fetish is something, is um, an object, uh, often an object or a certain activity that has to be done in order to achieve arousal mm-hmm. and to achieve orgasm. Um, a kink is just something that turns you on. Mm-hmm. So, a fetish could be an example of like a tickle fetish. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, a fetish could be uh, someone, uh, th- their partner has to always wear high heels. Mm. Whatever it is, if you have a fetish, you cannot achieve arousal or orgasm without the fetish. Wow. And that fetishes begin in childhood. Mm-hmm. Somehow around the time of arousal, they linked that particular object or behavior yeah. uh, with it. Kink can develop anytime uh, throughout, but you don't need it to have sex. You don't need it for arousal. You don't need it for, it's nice if you have it, but you don't have to have it. Yeah, it's like a cherry so, on top. Right. So those are the two differences. If you get involved with someone who has a fetish, mm-hmm. you have to understand that that never goes away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have a very hard time dealing with people who get into a relationship with someone that does have a fetish, and then a year or two down the road, they don't like it anymore, and they want the person to get rid of their fetish. Oh. And that is very painful and hard to that person. Oh, and yeah. that happens more often than not. Well, that'll and so right then the person, the then that person is faced with, I'm going to lose the person I love, but yet I can't, I can't perform sexually without my fetish. Wow. That's got to lead you right back into that shame and that repression too. That is exactly what happens. And I, like I said, I have a hard time with that. And I see that often. Wow. Cause uh, you can't get if you're not in, if you cannot handle the fact that your girlfriend or your boyfriend has a tickle fetish, don't stay in the relationship with them. Right. Because it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. You're not going to change them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's coming with anybody. Like if they're dealing with a certain uh, mental process that is very difficult for them, or, you know, you have a messy person versus a clean person. Like it's sort of a similar thing. Like you have to have that balance and you have to be open and honest with each other and understanding of each other and accepting of each other. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, right. that's so important. That's something mm-hmm. that like, I really wish was taught more in school of that, like reciprocity and mm-hmm. the, the, um, I don't know, just accepting people for where they're at. That's right. And, you know, people always tell people with um, fetishes that that's what makes them unique and special. Yeah. You know, there's been many great artists that had fetishes. Oh, yeah. I I think I had even mentioned before Degas. Yes. The famous painter. He had a back fetish. Mm -hmm. And that's why all his paintings, uh, except he liked the, he liked women with watching their backs as they were working. Mm -hmm. Like he would go into the laundry mats and sit in the back and watch women work and watch their backs. Of course, little did they know that's what was stimulating him. Right. They thought he was just uh, researching the back for paintings. Wow. But that was his fetish. He got, he really, uh, that was his thing. Well, and you can see it in his paintings. It was such oh, a Oh, yeah. Visceral... It's almost, the, it, well, it's, if you look at all his work, like you'll see a ballerina scratching herself. You'll yeah. see a woman uh, working. Um, there's an erotic feel to his work Absolutely. because you feel his eroticism behind it. Yes. And it's it not that it's it... blatantly sexual. That's right. not what I mean. But you can feel his erotic passion behind it. Yes, because it's linked to the creativity, just like we were talking about. It's like, that's what lit him up. And when you're passionate about something, it's like, it's almost impossible not to throw yourself into it completely. And his work stands the test of time because of it. Right, right. So there are people that do fetishize uh, body parts Mm -hmm. uh, too. So there's all types of things out there. 
Yeah, uh, that are fetishes. When it's about coming back to, oh, I believe you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me on that one. (laughs) I do trust you, Dr. Stephanie. I do. (laughs) Well, it even goes into authenticity too. Like if you're, if you're going to be a completely authentic, then your fetish or your sexuality, whatever that means for you has to become a part of that. Well, I always tell individuals who are having uh, a hard time with their, 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 you know, their fetish. If I tell them, if you own it, you're, partner will own it Mm -hmm. if you go out in the world searching for a partner and you have a lot of shame regarding it you're going to attract that why because like energy attracts like energy yes ma'am that's another universal law that's right (laughs) so you have to own who you are and celebrate it yes oh girl that should be the title of this episode own who you are and celebrate it yes sounds good to me that is the, the most amazing thing, and I think I, I, that's the one thing I wish for this world is for each individual person to own who they are and celebrate that and come and be make it a joyous thing. Right. Uh, when we're always comparing ourselves to others instead of, yeah, celebrating who we are, mm-hmm. what makes us unique and special. Mm-hmm. That is such a shame, mm-hmm. actually, that that occurs. And I have people... Uh, in my practice that are absolutely stunning and beautiful, but don't see themselves that way because they're comparing themselves to someone else. It's like, but that, look, there's always going to be somebody younger than us, richer than us, more beautiful than us because people are coming onto the planet all the time. Yeah. So we're never going to be, we're never going to be able to be that, that whoever. So we need to love and accept ourselves. And I'll tell you something else. What makes a person sexy is someone who does celebrate themselves, someone who is comfortable in their own skin, Mm -hmm. no matter what their age is, what they look like. When we run across somebody that likes and believes who they are is the best, we want to be with them. Absolutely. Well, it all ties into self-worth too, because Mm -hmm. that's something that I think most people struggle with is this, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. And that will, I mean, that ties into body image. It ties into everything. And Mm -hmm. that is just, I mean, we all come onto this planet with a specific purpose, with the look that we've, we need and whatever it is that we need to get us through life. And that's Mm -hmm. beautiful, no matter who or what, or whatever it is, it's all for a purpose. That's right. Yeah. I, I fully, fully believe that. I mean, if you look at the planet, you realize, look at all the different animals, plants, everything that's out there. One thing is for sure, the universe loves variety. Indeed. So why do we want to be like everybody else? That's boring, in my opinion. I know. Like if we all were the same cookie-coddle model of Giselle Bunchen, then that we'd be like, oh, God, another one. (laughs) I know. I know. Why do we compare ourselves? Why do we want to be like that person? We are who we are. The yeah. universe loves and celebrates variety. Absolutely. And I think we're we're taught that because it's it's an easy way to market things. Of like, mm-hmm. don't you want to look like this or don't you right. want to be like this? And like, no, I'm good being myself, but it's hard right. to sell product on mass if you're right. <laughs> if right. you're celebrating differences unless you have more of an aligned business. Right. And I think that's been a huge downfall that our society has has come up with really yeah. is this like, here, I'm selling this cookie cutter model and this is what mm-hmm. you should look like. And it's this propaganda. Right. right. Yeah. Because I'm sure even like that, that sexual repression goes into things like body dysmorphia and of course. all of those things. And here's yes. the other thing too. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about fetishes too, what's going to be someone's fetish is not going to be the next person's fetish. They're going to mm-hmm. find beauty in different things. And mm-hmm. that's that's the cool thing about this world is there's something for everybody. Right. Yeah. Right. I love that. Um, yes. Well, I also really want to talk about um, open relationships because that mm-hmm. has been, I know that's a focus of yours. And mm-hmm. I really feel like that's something that's, I hate to say mainstream, but it's definitely coming more into the forefront of our um, awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really cool thing for people who are interested to explore and to, um, you know, figure out if that's for them. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm curious as like how you would guide somebody into figuring out if that's right for them and how to healthily, health, 
healthfully, healthfully, sure, (laughs) (laughs) safely um, introduce that into a relationship or introduce that into their just personal life? Well, first I would try to uh, discover why they are wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. What is the reason behind it? People who are the most successful in opening up their relationships are people who do it from this place of love. Like they love themselves and they love their partner so much that they want them to have all these beautiful, enriching experiences. Mm-hmm. So if they come in with that in mind, I know they're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that's not to say if they're coming because their own sex, you know, the relationship seems to be working, but the sex is not uh, working. I've helped couples in that scenario too become very successful in the lifestyle and it even enrich their own sexuality. So it can, wow. it can definitely heal because, you know, heal your sexuality, heal your life. Absolutely. Um, but there's many different types also. I, I, I had to find out what are what does that mean to them, open relationship? Mm-hmm. Does that mean that they're going to see couples? Does that mean that they are going to, you know, just swing together? Are they going to swing separately? Uh, are they just going to invite in a third person? Everybody has their own interpretation of what open relationship means. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to find out from both partners what that looks like and then agree upon. And then I always work with my couples in creating um, boundaries or some people want to call it a contract um, to keep that relationship because the number one priority is keeping the relationship safe. Mm -hmm. The contract can be changed, Mm -hmm. uh, but once it's made, it is never broken until the two agree to change the contract. Yeah. So... Yeah, absolutely. And that's a beautiful thing. I love that that's something that people are more comfortable exploring now because there's, you know, if that's your choice, then that's that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And you can experience so much more that way too. And I know many couples who are in, you know, my immediate circle that have experimented with that and have had a lot of success. And I've had mm-hmm. couples that I've known that haven't set those boundaries or created that contract. Right. And it's really strange relationship. Yeah, right, <laughs> pretty much. Course. Yeah, uh, you can learn so much about yourself when you open up your relationship that you, good and bad mm-hmm. that you never ever would have had the opportunity to learn. Yeah, uh, had you not experienced that, but you have to be ready for it, and you have to do it in a very healthy way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's so cool. And you know, it's sometimes. People can do it, and then they can decide uh, it's, they're wanting to go back to monogamy. Mm-hmm. It's okay. There's no rules. Yeah. You have to understand. Some people think with open relationships, it's just all free-for-all. Right. No, that's not, that's not true. There, that's why there's boundaries. There's contracts. What does that look like? And you can always go back. Yeah. And I'm sure it's an individual choice, too. Maybe you're, you've tried the open relationship and realized monogamy is more for you. Or mm-hmm. vice versa. You're like, oh, I've tried this and now I this is kind of where I'm at. And hopefully my partner can come along with me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we're born, again, we're born sexual beings. Mm-hmm. And monogamy is a choice. It's a choice that I respect. Yeah. But when we make that choice, we are going against our natural, what we feel naturally. Mm-hmm. That's why there is so much cheating. There is so many affairs. Mm-hmm. Because we're going against what's natural to mm-hmm. us. So we have to understand that when we make the choice of monogamy, which mm-hmm. I respect, we have to understand we're going against what's natural for us. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be challenges and we have to face those challenges mm-hmm. for ourselves and our partner. Mm-hmm. Do you think people pick monogamy as a control thing a lot of times? Uh, well, monogamy uh, certainly is based on control, primarily controlling the female hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And so you're not you don't come out of the vagina monogamous. Right. We're, no, you are. We're taught monogamy uh, through society, through family, through religion. Um, you're it's embedded that monogamy equals love. I mean, we, we learn all these beliefs about it uh, that are false. Mm-hmm. Do you think it has to do with like even the God, archaic thing of like, this is my woman and she's mine. I've bought her. And, 
you know, I've traded however much livestock <laughs> for this relationship. Of course. Um, and of course it's religion. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's, uh, it had, ultimately it was a way to control the female and to control her power, especially her sexual power. Mm-hmm. Because women do have a lot of sexual power. Mm-hmm. So monogamy is a way to control that power. Absolutely. Well, you see that kind of repression in any, I mean, in any sort, I'm going to say it again, in any sort of repression, whether it be, you yeah. know, pe- you know, people of color or women or, mm-hmm. you know, a specific religious group is because people are very afraid of change of something mm-hmm. different and the power that they might have over it. And it's like a control thing to be like, no, I, I completely reject that instead of trying to figure out what makes that beautiful and special. Yeah. And you can bet sadly that women, um, take away other women's sexual power. Mm, in what way? And, yes. They're threatened by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ha- they do, they have a very hard, they judge females that are sexually free or sexually mm-hmm. open. Um, they have a hard time with it. Yeah. Women are very judgmental of other women. It's almost mm-hmm. like unconsciously they want to keep the, the female down as well. And they don't even realize it. That's so sad to me because like, I, I definitely had to check myself because that's something you, I think kind of learn, especially in your teen years of like, it's almost like a competition between the women around you. Mm-hmm. And there was a certain point that I hit where I was like, that's crap. Like I want to celebrate my friends for doing whatever makes them happy. I want to celebrate mm-hmm. people for whatever makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this like judgment thing only hurts me. And it hurts them no, too. No, absolutely. If you, if one female, that's a, a way also I work to find out what's going on with the female is find out her judgment on other females. Yeah. And if she sees this one as a whore or this one as a slut or, oh, I couldn't do that. That's too slutty. You can bet she's judging herself and that's stopping her sexuality. Yeah, it's like projection. Because when we judge others, we're really judging ourselves. Absolutely. It's projection, complete right. projection, because it's something right. maybe you wish you had done or something That's you're right. not comfortable that you, with yourself for doing. It's- That's right. Because why would you even care if somebody was a slut? <laughs> Let them live their life. Why, why does that affect you? Why do you care? So if you're so uptight about it and you just have to say vulgar and nasty things mm-hmm. to them or about them, I mean, you it's about you. Yeah. That's about And you need to heal what's going on within you. Absolutely. Well, it's even to the fact of like people who happen to be homophobic or anything like that. It is something that they have not dealt with within within themselves. That's exactly correct. And it's the thing of like, they're happy. They're enjoying that sex. They're enjoying their sexuality. They're living Mm -hmm. their best life. Let them do it. It doesn't affect you. You're afraid because you recognize similar attributes or things you wish you had tried that you don't understand. Yes. Oh, completely. Oh, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Oh. Um, have you ever practiced any like sex magic or anything like that? Sex magic? Yeah. <laughs> you mean just in what I do for my partners? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes, girl. Uh, but otherwise, no, I don't know of anything in particular. <laughs> it's not something you like prescribe people. You're like, here's this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I <laughs> Because that's an area I'd like to explore a little more with my partner. And that was like, I'm just so interested in that. And like, sex doing- magic. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to give that some definite thought and what that might look like. Because there's a, well, I, I think the best, bit. the best sex magic there is, it's, is <clears throat> for someone to be completely comfortable with who they are and their sexuality. Yeah. Now that is magic. Yeah. Oh, that's the best form of magic. There's a reason that we yeah. crave orgasm so much uh-huh. is because that is like, it, it just brings you to another plane of existence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I always thought it was interesting that the French call orgasm le petite mort, um, a little bit of death because the it's little almost, death. the little death. Yes. Pardon mm-hmm. me. That's and okay. it's, it's so interesting to me that that's what they call it because it's almost like you're, it, it is almost like bringing you to another plane of existence and like leaving your mm-hmm. body for that. Well, actually what that's about is surrendering. Mm. When we orgasm, we surrender. Mm-hmm. When we die, we surrender. Mm-hmm. So I have found within my practice that there has there is a link to people who have a fear of death and problems with orgasm. How interesting. 
Yeah. So when people come to me with problems with orgasm, the first thing I explore is their relationship to death. Wow. Right. That makes total sense. Yeah. They're having a problem with the idea of surrendering, complete, total surrender, which we all have to do. Yep. We all have to do. Yeah. No one gets out of this life alive. (laughs) No, absolutely not. And it's such a natural part of life. I had a huge fear of death for a while, for a long time in my, in my younger years. And Mm -hmm. after going through a bunch of mental breakdowns and like getting close to death in some, some serious ways, um, I realized that it's just a transformation. It's just a change and that that's okay. And you have to surrender, like you said, to this unknowing. And ever since I've done that and really come to terms with that, and it still goes back and forth. I have to work on that too, because I think that's natural for humans to fear the unknown, but then to break through that and be like, okay, it's just the unknown. I can't control it. I'm just going to enjoy this while I can. And I've been able to achieve orgasm so much easier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Orgasm is about surrender. Yeah. Now, having said that, remember, penetration and orgasm is still a very small part of sex. Yes. I couldn't agree more. A very small part. Well, I am very, I'm going to be really frank here. I am very um, orally stimulated. Mm-hmm. That's how that is the easiest way for me to achieve orgasm. That's and very common. Yeah. That's very common for females. Uh-huh. Do you think that has to do more with like the way that your your body is set up, or do you think it has to do with a, a mental um, blockage? Uh, as far as uh, what what it is is uh, women's bodies some uh, get stimulated and achieve orgasm through external. Mm-hmm. And then a smaller amount can orgasm through internal. Mm. Yeah. It depends on the, the way your body is. And that, having said that, does your mind play a role? Certainly. Yeah. But the reality is um, the majority of women are stimulated externally. Yeah. Through the clitoris, correct? Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's, that's it for me. <laughs> and then the, the, her partner needs to understand that and not get into the porn thing where women are exploding with 12 and 15 orgasms while, mm-hmm. you know, the guy's having sex. And, I, you know, because that's unrealistic for mm-hmm. a lot of women. And mm-hmm. so the male usually gets then frustrated because she's not doing what the porn stars are doing. Yeah. And first of all, the porn stars are acting. Yes. So, uh, but um, yes, the majority of women uh, are stimulated externally. That's so interesting for me because for me, it's, I can do both. I'm much more Mm -hmm. clitorally stimulated than I am penetration stimulated. But But you can do both. But I can do both. That's very good. That means uh, then that uh, you have been able to let go uh, even when you're being penetrated. Mm -hmm. And that... If you don't mind me getting too graphic here, not at all. When you're being penetrated, are you having to stimulate yourself on the outside as well at the same sometimes, time? Sometimes, but yeah. Now that okay, so you're still getting though the stimulation from externally. Yes, but there have definitely uh-huh. been times. Been times that yeah, that, that means I haven't had to. You were fully, fully surrendering. Mm-hmm. So what that's has nice. so much to do with the partner that I'm with as well, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I trust him completely. And that's, and there have been, you know, we've definitely gone through our ups and downs. And I've noticed that when we're in that very trusting communicative place, I am so much more able to, mm-hmm. um, to orgasm through penetration than I am through, um, you know, I'm always able to pen- to orgasm through, you know, uh, an oral or external mm-hmm. stimulation. I think that's wonderful, but I would invite you to get to that place without it depending upon how you're feeling about your partner. Yes. That's where I'm working on right now is that yeah. like complete surrender of being with that person in that moment, whatever that. Right. And knowing that to. you're not only surrendering to that person, you're surrendering to yourself. Girl, it's about you and your own pleasure. That is, you just blew my mind there because it's, I think there's a construct that I'm still dealing with that, um, I have to make sure they're taken care of before myself. Mm. 
And that's been a big challenge for me, even in, in my regular life is to, I, I tend to take care of other people before I take care of me. Mm-hmm. And then you that, know what would be a good for you? Yeah. Tell me. Um, which I'm sure your partner would be okay with mm. have one night a week where it's just nothing but about you. Ooh, I like that. I know he'd be into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm pitching that as soon as. And as then soon as you just <laughs> own your power, have him get you off. And then you're, I love you. Good night. Yeah. That will bring you into your power and your deservability. Yeah, deservability. And then if he's willing to to do that, he's a very generous lover. Yeah, he's extremely, I have to say he's one of the most generous lovers and just human beings in general. That's wonderful. The coolest thing about it is I know I can sit there and have that conversation with him. Well, you must have worked some magic somewhere then. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to ask me about sexual magic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, there is this cool, um, I heard this on a different podcast and I really loved this idea of like creating a mantra, something you're trying to manifest through that sexual energy. And mm-hmm. that was something I've been really wanting to try with him of like having us both have this mantra and, and trying to manifest this thing through, uh, the sexual energy that's happening between the two of us and between the love and the respect that we have between the two of us. Oh, so yeah. that's, that's, that's one I'm definitely going to try, which is so, so much, so much fun. I'm just, I can't wait for that. Great. Like, like TikTok, how much, like how much time do I have in the day? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I want to ask you too, what other types of healing do you incorporate into your, um, into your sessions? I know you're very intuitive and you can pick mm-hmm. up on those things, but do you use any other like energy healing techniques or, um, you know, even psychic messages that come through for people? anything like that um yes i uh when i think of my intuition it is um energy based Mm -hmm. i'm very good at reading someone's energy um i also do get messages Mm -hmm. um in my mind like if someone is struggling and i want to help them i will often in my mind saying please help me asking my spirit guides and it very quickly i hear ask them this or take them here. And then I do, and that sort of paves the way towards what they need to talk about. So can I explain it? No, Uh, I can't explain what it is. I can't label it for what it is because I, you know, I just don't know. I just know that I have that ability and I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful that I had, I had a reading once where the psychic told me that one of my spirit guides, of course, I believe that we do change guides Mm-hmm. you know, throughout our lives. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the guides was uh, a male that had lived in like the Egyptian days. Yeah. And she she didn't know, this psychic didn't know what I did for a living. And she said, it's like back in the times where they were building the pyramids. And, and she said, this particular guide gives you your energy for healing that you use in your work. And I said, oh, wow, I do. And I told her I didn't, I, I, she didn't know what I did. I said, I do use energy to heal with my work. Yeah. Wow. And then there was, she said in that same reading, she says, and then there's a female guide who has never lived on the planet. Mm-hmm. And her name starts with A. She calls herself something with A. And in my mind, I heard angel. Mm. And the psychic said, uh, Angela, uh, well, no, I, I don't know, but you'll see her name on a license plate and the psychic goes, Oh no, angel. Mm-hmm. Well, and Angela is, uh, means angel. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't my, know that. I have an aunt named Angela and uh-huh. my grandmother named her that because it means angel. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's she said so cool. this particular one uh, was giving me my wisdom, but she had never had a life here on the planet. Uh, but the other, the, the energy healer, he had had many long time ago. He had mm-hmm. had a life here on the planet. Those were the only two that she had told me about. Uh, but those two really resonated with me. Now, are those two still my guides? Because this reading was probably about five years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, perhaps. Yeah. But um, I, because I, I think that they work with us for, you know, how they need to. And then we 
get other guides. And- yeah, I believe that too. I think we have some some main staples, you know, some mm-hmm. some lifers. <laughs> yes, and then you have some that kind of shift in and out as they're needed, and if you can mm-hmm. call to them if they're if they need you or if you're needed at that time, or if they want to guide you in a specific way because you're supposed to have a specific type of healing that you're you're giving the world, mm-hmm. then they'll come in and be like, all right, let me pull you over here. And let me pull you over here. And hopefully you get the message. And I think <laughs> that also sometimes they have to, um, uh, hands off. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And not be there and allow, I, I find that my guides are really always here for me when I help others. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when I need them for myself, I feel a hands off. Mm-hmm. You have to experience this. You have to go through this as Mm -hmm. hard as it is or difficult it is. Mm -hmm. So I feel it's a hands-off sometimes. And that comes also from a place of love. I was literally just going to say it's a little bit of tough love of like, this is something you have to experience so that you can further yourself or you can learn something from it. Right. Because there's no other way to do it but experiencing that pain. And Mm -hmm. I think too, you know, especially because of the work that you do, it has it's probably so important for you to feel things as deeply as possible so that Mm -hmm. you can then give that information and that insight to people. Cause it's so much easier to take somebody's advice who, you know, has been through it or has had experience in this than it is Mm -hmm. from somebody who just read it out of a book, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I just thought of this for some reason. There's a book that that you might enjoy. I've read it a couple of times. It's been a while called the sacred prostitute. Oh, I'm writing that down. And it's based on, uh, how many years ago uh, the female prostitution was used for healing peer- people on a spiritual level. Yeah. It's a wonderful book. Yeah. I'm definitely going to read that. I mean, I, de- yeah. I, like, I think prostitution too is very misunderstood as well. You know, there are definitely oh, some, some really dark aspects to it that we won't touch on today because right. it's, it's a whole different type of episode, but oh, there are people right. that are doing it to provide an amazing service for people who maybe don't feel comfortable going and having that experience with somebody who is, you know, just somebody they meet at a bar. It's sometimes easier for them to experience pleasure and experience themselves fully in that way. And that's beautiful too. Yes, absolutely. That's incredible. I love that so much. Um, Oh man, I had a question. It just fell out of my head. No, come back, come back. That's okay. Ah. Oh man, it's gone. Sorry. It might come back to me later. <laughs> no worries. Um, you know, I have a, a published book that's out. Uh, it's you do? Uh, sec, uh-huh, sex work and female uh, self-empowerment. It's available on my website. Oh my God. I got to put a link uh, to that. StephanieHunterJones.com. Oh, amazing. Can, is it only on the website? Uh, you can get it on uh, through the website, I believe. Excellent. And, um, so, yeah, and I did a lot of research into, um, on that note, on into sex work and uh, the history of it. And uh, so it's worth checking out if anybody's interested. Absolutely. What are some of the, the most, like, poignant things you learned from doing that research that, without giving away the book too much? No, no, I just uh, basically, uh, well, I interviewed, like, 10 different sex workers. And uh, the ones I interviewed, um, it was their life's purpose. Mm. They had done it for longer than 10 years. They were all over the age of like 35. So they were mature women and they all considered themselves healers. But it's like you said, there, and I even start the book off by saying there are very negative, destructive uh, aspects to prostitution, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't what I was covering in that book. Uh, I was trying to shed some light on the healing aspects of it. Yeah. So, uh, and so anyway, so I interviewed them and then I just did some research in, you know, the history of prostitution. So it was just, it's, it was fun. Oh, it's fascinating too. Even if you go back to like brothels and the way that they were used in, in, you know, centuries ago, where it was almost like this, this luxury place where there'd be palm fronds and like mm-hmm. satin and all this stuff. It's a way for you to ah, escape the constructs of what you believe and experience this pure pleasure. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that even if that is what you're here to do, I support it and I love it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so Mm -hmm. here for it. Mm -hmm. And I wish that there wasn't such a stigma on all this. Well, that's what gets us. Right. And like with any profession, 
There are doctors that are doing it because their heart is telling them to do it. There's doctors that are just doing it for the money. I mean, there's various, there's doctors that are doing it because their parents made it be a doctor. Totally. Prostitution is the same way. There's people that are doing it because that's their heart. They're, they're, they're brought here to heal. There's people that are just doing it for the money. I mean, I mean, that's okay too. Yeah. It's whatever you're in your soul's here to learn whatever lesson it's supposed to learn. You you've, and I fully believe, I don't, I don't know if you resonate with this, but I do. I believe you kind of pick your experiences because mm-hmm. you're supposed to come here to learn and to heal in different ways. Mm-hmm. And you pick the experiences that are going to lead you in the path that you're supposed to be here to, to carve essentially. Yep. And if I believe that too. Yeah. And that's, I believe that, but I also believe that we all, we do come here on the planet with free will. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we can choose our experiences. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I believe we choose a lot that we shouldn't. And we choose a lot that we did the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I think we do come here with a certain path, but I believe that uh, we choose a lot. Yeah. Like there's an aspect of divine leading and divine guide. Pardon me guidance but there's also this aspect of free will where it's like it's up to right. you whether you choose if you follow the path or not right that's right yeah because you could have decided to you needed to really learn this on the planet and you need and you got here and you made other choices yep so and then you might have to repeat those choices in other lifetimes that's right yeah that's right because there are things that I know that I've been learning for lifetimes that I'm this, I feel like I'm breaking cycles this lifetime. I'm mm-hmm. here to like transform and transform and transform. Mm-hmm. And it's even reflected in my astrology of I'm supposed to have these big transformations happen in my life because I'm supposed to show other people that the transformations are, are you're capable of doing them yourself. If I can do mm-hmm. it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's karmic lessons I, I had in past lifetimes that I hadn't paid attention to that this lifetime is just like, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. here, pay attention if you can. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what are some of the like even daily, weekly, monthly rituals or self-care rituals that you do to keep yourself balanced and to keep that light and dark balance within you? Mm-hmm. Um. I love showering at the end of the day after my clients because I feel water releases the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I often do my mantras, my positive uh, affirmations. Yeah. Um, I always ask the universe to send me the clients that want what I have to offer them. And um, I love my treadmill. I'm a nice. treadmill girl. Nice. And I like walking my dogs. I love my animals. I have three cats and two dogs. Oh. I'm really into my garden. Yes. So things of that nature. Oh, so yeah. witchy. I love that. Yes. Self. Oh, yes. You're, you're, yes. I, I can feel you grounding through those exercises too. I'm sure that that's, that's a huge part of it for you is just getting closer to the earth and nature as a whole. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So since this is the witch podcast, and I, mm-hmm. I believe we've talked about this before, and I had to bring it up. Mm-hmm. What is the spookiest or the witchiest thing that's happened to you? Well, uh, me and my sister did a um, paranormal tour of the Queen Mary, which yes. I think Time Magazine listed as one of the top uh, most haunted places. Yeah. And uh, it was an amazing success. Mm-hmm. We... Um, the gentleman that was uh, hosting the tour taught us to use our phone to record with audio mm-hmm. as we were going through. And so we went through the bottom of the ship and we communicated with a spirit that had passed on there. His name was John. It was a young boy at 18 that had gotten killed. And through, uh, although in that moment we couldn't hear anything, yeah. but the, divining rod we were using was working so we knew we had made contact so the next day uh, we spent the night there and um, a couple of uh, things happened then Um, there was a knock on the cabin door about four in the morning and I got up and I looked everywhere no one was there yeah and then right before I woke up that morning I had this vision of the Nazi flag because, you know, that ship was used to bring the soldiers home yeah. uh, in World War II. 
Yeah. So we got home just thinking it was, you know, quite a unique experience. And my sister comes running in the back with her cell phone. She goes, oh, my God, listen to this. And we had gotten about, I think it was 12 responses of his voice on our phone answering our questions. 12? 12. Yes. Holy shit, that's cool. It was. I mean, one of them was my sister had asked him because he was so young. He was 18. Yeah. And uh, we were standing right at the door where the door had killed him. Yeah. And my sister said, did you miss your mother? And he goes, yes. Oh. And then she starts to cry and he goes, don't cry. Get out of here. Oh, my God. I just got oh, the yeah. chills so bad. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Is that cool? No, it was the most powerful experience that we have ever had and then we communicated with him there and then we walked to the other side and there was um, a little room that when the guy showed us stuff that was really dark and he said a lot of people have made contact with energies in that dark room so I turned to my sister and I said did you want to go in that room it's awful scary I don't want to and she goes no and he goes come on oh <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. And wow. so, and then we walked a little bit farther away, and my sister goes, Maybe we should share these rods because uh, you, you, the guy said you could ask yes or no questions, and the rods would either close or open up. Right. Our rods, they kept opening up and closing around us. And my sister said, Are you giving me a hug? And then in the recording, we hear, Yes. Oh my God. I know. And so uh, my sister goes, maybe we should share these rods and give them to someone else to use. And you hear in the recording, no. (laughs) Well, I am sure that spirit was just like, I got the Hunter sisters. I am a happy man. I know. I know. It was one of the most, I can't even describe how beautiful the experience was. In fact, when we first started it, the guy was telling us about him, that people have made contact with him. And when he was telling me, when he was telling us about it, I felt an overwhelming feeling of love. He was a loving energy. He was so loving. And it was such a beautiful experience that I would never trade for the world. I bet that yeah, was so was healing so for great. that spirit too, to be around people who aren't, because it's, again, people love to do ghost hunting, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but it comes from such a place of fear and curiosity, which, mm-hmm. okay, I get. But if you come at it from a place of real understanding mm-hmm. and are able to kind of suss out the feelings that they're giving you and to have that feeling of love, I'm sure that was healing for him as well as you. Well, and if you think about it, his energy in that space is a star. Yes. So maybe he likes to go back there because he's the star. He's on their website. Yep. They tell about his life story. Um, they talk about him when he goes. I mean, he's like a star there. So maybe it makes him feel good. Oh, I bet it does. Well, and I'm sure it's a way for him to be recognized and to almost find some peace within how the horrible way that he passed, mm-hmm. you know, because I've, I have seen many documentaries and, you know, little blurbs about the queen Mary. And that's one of the most common sightings is the, is the man who was crushed by the door because mm-hmm. it was like an emergency, something that happened and the, and the watertight yeah. doors were closing yeah. and he got crushed. Right. And to die that horribly and that painfully, mm-hmm. yeah. but then to have this like, like you said, starring role in uh-huh. one of the world's most haunted locations has right. got to be some sort of indication for him. Right, right. That's so beautiful. I, yeah. I oh, well, I know you and, and you're. I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, you. I, I was just going to say you must have my sister on. Oh, girl, I was just about to tell you. Oh, like, yeah. I am having your sister on. I'm so excited to talk to her. What I know, oh, you yeah. guys have a forum that you do. I think weekly, don't you? Where you mm-hmm. like people see have uh, on Instagram and YouTube yeah. and you can go to the huntersisters.com and check out, uh, you can go to either of our websites. My sister is a very gifted hypnotherapist, nice. um, with a PhD in metaphysical science. Oh, so, um, she's awesome. So you can check out both our websites or you can also get information on the show there. Yes. So huntersisters.com. Yeah. I love that you but, guys do that. 
Yeah, my sister has created her own tarot series. I told you about that. Nice, yes. So you have to definitely have her on without a doubt. Your listeners are going to love her. I can already feel that because I'm like, just just her energy is incredible. The little communication we've had back and forth. I am so excited to communicate with her. She's just, I mean, you both are incredible. It's just like, there was a little bit of magic that happened when you guys were were brought into this world, I believe. (laughs) Oh, that is very sweet of you to say that. Thank you very much. Uh, Well, and yourself as well. Oh, thanks. I I like to think so. (laughs) Absolutely. Without a doubt. I just do my best every day. That's all I care about. (laughs) That's what matters. Yes. So I know you just talked about your websites. Where else can people find you to connect and possibly book with you? Mm-hmm. Just my website, stephaniehunterjones.com or huntersisters.com. Yes. Do you have any social media handles or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not as good. <laughs> as you. Well, we have uh, uh, our, let's see, our Instagram is Hunter Sisters. No one's, uh, no one's perfect. And then our um, YouTube show, is called Hunter Sisters, No One's Perfect, because we believe that no one's perfect, but that's what makes us special and unique. Yes. And so we didn't want to do another show of two therapists that act like they know it all. So what we tell people is we're not perfect. Yes. So it's okay not to be perfect. That's what makes us special. Well, and that's what makes you good at what you do because you're willing to sit here and say, I'm not a perfect person. I'm still learning, but I'm willing to share my experiences and how I've learned with right. you. It exactly. makes you human. Right. Instead of this, like, you know, this thing to this ideology of like, oh, the perfect doctor, the perfect this. No, right. we are all human. We are all struggling and we're here to get through it together. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so, so much for doing this, Dr. My Stephanie. My pleasure. It was such an honor. Oh, you're such a goddess and I can't wait well, to see what you Well, you are do. as well. And thank Ooh. you to all your listeners for their time as well. Absolutely. I love to give gratitude to these listeners every time. They are what makes this possible. And this Absolutely. is my, it's the most amazing thing in the world to be able to share this with people. So yes. thank you, listeners. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, witches, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you found some insight and inspiration in this episode. To connect with Dr. Stephanie, head on over to the show notes for links to her social media and website and so much more. As always, you can find links to connect with me in the show notes, including my website and Instagram where I hang out most of the time. So please head over there, check me out and see all the witchy stuff that I'm up to. Finally, I would love to give a very special witchy shout out to Brie Banuelos and Jason Andrews for the kick-ass intro and outro music for this podcast. You both are insanely talented, and I'm so grateful to be able to use a little piece of your brilliance. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, ciao witches. Ciao witches.